Welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Justin Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. On the previous episode, we talked all about resolutions for having better sex in the new year. Today's episode is going to be a continuation on that same theme. However, instead of focusing on sex, we're going to be focusing on relationships and the things you can do to build stronger and healthier relationships in the coming year. We're going to discuss a range of relationships, starting with friendships, including how you can have an easier time both making and maintaining friends. We're also going to talk about tips for better online dating, tips for strengthening romantic relationships, both new and old, as well as what you need to know about building a healthier relationship with yourself. I am joined once again by Dr. Juliana Hauser, a licensed marriage and family therapist and licensed professional counselor who specializes in relationships, sex, and sexuality. In addition to running a private practice, Dr. Juliana is a nationally known expert in this area whose work has appeared all over in the media. This is going to be an amazing conversation that's going to set you up for relationship success in the new year. Stick around and we're going to jump in right after the break. Don't know what to get your partner this holiday season? Give the gift of pleasure. Material objects are temporary, but sexual happiness is a gift that can keep giving all year long. That's why I recommend checking out Beducated, a revolutionary form of online sex education. They have an extensive library of courses that you can take at your own pace in the comfort of your own home, designed to help you level up your sex life, enhance intimacy, awaken pleasure, and connect on a new level. You can try all of their courses today for free, and if you like what you see, you can get 40% off the yearly pass by using my last name, Miller, as the coupon code. You can also give your partner a personalized Beducated gift card. Check the show notes for the link or visit Beducated.com and be sure to use my last name to get your discount. If you love the science of sex as much as I do, consider becoming a friend of the Kinsey Institute at Indiana University. The Kinsey Institute is the world's premier research organization on sex and relationships, and you can help them continue the legacy of Dr. Alfred Kinsey, whose pioneering research changed everything we think we know about sex. Visit kinseyinstitute.org to make an impact. Your donations can help support ongoing research projects on critical topics. You can also show your support by following Kinsey Institute on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for supporting sex science. Healthcare training programs usually include some information about gender and sexuality, but few of them give you adequate training if your goal is to become a sex therapist or educator. This is where the modern sex therapy institutes can help. MSTI offers a PhD program in clinical sexology, as well as multiple certification programs in sex therapy and sex education for mental health and medical professionals. All trainings can be completed 100% online. Whether you're looking for a certification or simply an opportunity to build and expand your knowledge base, MSTI can help. For more information on their programs and offerings, find the link in the show notes or visit modernsextherapyinstitutes.com. In our previous conversation, we talked all about sexual resolutions. So what I'd like to focus on now are relationship resolutions. And when I say relationships, I'm not just talking about relationships with a romantic partner. There are a lot of other relationships in our lives that are important and that we might be neglecting. So let's start by talking about platonic relationships, because this topic has implications for everybody. 
Now, I know I'm not alone in saying this, but during the pandemic, a number of my friends just kind of disappeared. My friendship circle shrank because I just didn't see some people for such a long period of time. So I'm in the market for some new friends. But as you get older and you're out of school and you're busy with work and your professional life, it gets harder to make friends because there just aren't as many natural opportunities. So what are some ways of putting yourself out there, meeting people and making new friends in the new year? I agree with you. And and I I think so many of us have seen a difference of who we are connecting to and why we're connecting with them uh, and have done kind of like a decluttering of who's going to get our time and who we are. And looking at friendships and how to put yourself out there, I like starting with how do you want to be spending your time? What kinds of things do you want to be doing? Do you, do you prefer having those intimate conversations or do you prefer to have adventurous experiences? And go do those things. Be a part of those communities and look for the people who are already doing those as well. And I find that to be a really great place that you have a commonality or a, a common skill set already that you don't have to overcome all of that like you do in addition to just getting to know somebody in that way also. I think also... It's wonderful to do a self-assessment of, of how you show up to people and how comfortable are you. Uh, like the way that I like to kind of like say it is like this uh, hand motion of opening my hands uh, and like opening up my soul to somebody. Like, how are you doing that? And how are you showing up to those kind of connections and working on that? So it, that can happen whether you're on a park bench or that can happen if, if you are on a, an extravagant trip. If you are wanting to connect with somebody else, work on this skill of opening up in a way that feels safe, but also feels authentic to who you are too. I think another thing that happened after the pandemic too was a lot of us got sick of like the performative nature of connecting with other people. And that is something that you have to take responsibility for too. Yes, there's a culture of that, but also if, if time is limited, and some of the rules have been taking, uh, like gratefully kind of taking away from us, then I want that to be something that you take off your plate too and, and to show up authentically. And if it works, wonderful. And if it doesn't, okay. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's such great advice too, in particular about finding communities where you can make new friendships. Because once you're out of school, like school was kind of like a natural environment for making friends for a lot of people. But a lot of us now, like the workplace is kind of like where we tend to have a lot of our friendship circles, but now a lot of us are working from home. And so then that just makes it even harder. You have to kind of find these communities yourself. You know, one of the things that I've done in the last couple of years is to join some local sporting leagues. And I don't consider myself to be an athlete by any stretch of the imagination, but it was a great way to do a shared activity with other people, to meet new people. And you get to do this thing together, but then you hang out afterwards. And I've developed some really great friendships through that, but it was only by going out and embedding myself in a community. You know, and there are all kinds of ways you can do this. You can do it online. It doesn't, you know, have to be a sporting league and, you know, different people's ability levels differ, but it's finding something, whether it's a book club, something that just gives you that chance to really connect with other people. And I think you should be compassionate with yourself too, because there's a lot of rituals of how you date, how you meet people to have sexual partners or to have romantic relationships with, but there's not a lot of rituals of how you make friends. And so be compassionate to yourself in that process too. It, I think in some ways it can be more awkward and difficult to find new friends than it is to find someone to date or have sex with. 
Yeah, I mean, I so agree with that. So it it requires a different approach, you know? It does. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, just as we're not really taught how to date, we're not really taught how to make friends either. Like it just kind of happens like as we're growing up. But as you become older, as I said, I think it becomes a lot harder to make new friends just because you don't have those same natural sort of environments. You have to intentionally go out of your way to find them in order to cultivate friendships. Now, speaking of friends, something a lot of people struggle with when they enter a romantic relationship is keeping their friendships alive. I mean, I have some friends who have gotten married, they invited me to the wedding, and then I like literally never saw them again. And it's not because I did something embarrassing at the reception. You know, they just got consumed (laughs) in their relationship. And for some people, that becomes something that they really regret or lament later in life because they lost those connections that were really important to them. And showed them a different side of themselves. So what's your advice on how to maintain balance between romantic relationships and friendships so that you don't just have to choose one or the other? So how can you have both strong friendships and a strong romantic relationship or relationships at the same time where it doesn't become this friction point? Mm-hmm. I'm a big proponent of hitting that head on too and speaking that need and making sure that you're approaching it with the things that you want. And so instead of the, um, and I've done this myself too, like, oh, I miss you. I never hear from you anymore. That actually is not the bridge builder that you want. It's, I would love to hear more from you. What can we do in order to connect more? I, I miss you and I want us to make that effort. Is that something you have bandwidth for? Is that something you're interested in too? Just having that conversation up front and speaking your needs is really crucial. You often think people feel the same way you do or that they see the situation the same way, but they're actually completely oblivious to that. They may have realized like, oh yeah, it has been several months, but they haven't realized the missing of it. And I I find it to be the case too, that especially if you are the one that's not partnered and other people are, that they have that feeling, they have that connectedness, they have a lot of their needs being met and they haven't noticed the loss like you have. And I think sometimes, like, and, I, and I said it for those who are a couple too, to remember your friends that are single, that that person has had a bigger change than you as the couple has. The next thing is, is that I like to ask people too, like if, if this is my friends, like I, I have a friend that we're in a different time zone now and we have very different um, schedules and, and lives. And so we literally sat down and planned out when, when are the right times? What can you be doing? What can I be doing that we can be concentrating? And for me, it is that I put in, my AirPods and I go for a walk and she has her lunch hour at that time. And, and that's how we connect. It's not the same thing that I want, but at least we're having touch points that our conversations aren't always, it feels like we have to wait till we have an hour to be with each other, to catch up, um, that we get to have 10 minutes or 15 minutes that we're staying in touch in that. I think another thing too is if you're doing this with somebody that's local, that you can see in person, that you do a combination that's purposeful and intentional of time alone with just you and your friend and time with that person's other person or people and and the same with yours, that you have a a balance. And then balance doesn't have to be equal, but a balance that is mutually agreed upon of time together and time alone. Yeah. So it's a mix of prioritizing those friendships And also communicating with a romantic partner about how you're going to maintain friendships, right? It's okay for each of you to have your own friends and to sometimes do things on your own. You know, we're going to talk more about codependence later and some of the problems that can come along with that and, you know, how to resolve to be less codependent in the new year. But it is important to have 
other sources of social and emotional support and other people in your life that you can do things with that maybe your partner isn't interested in. So it's definitely important to find a way to balance those friendships and romantic relationships. Now, let's talk about singles for a moment. Some of them are probably resolving to find a relationship next year, but there's this hellhole that is online dating that just doesn't (laughs) seem to work for a lot of people, right? Online dating can be wonderful. Don't get me wrong. Many online relationships work out. In fact, I'm in one myself, but the struggle is real. You know, I had my own struggles with that before as well. So online dating can be frustrating. It can be demoralizing. How can we resolve to be better online daters in the new year? Oh boy. Yes. (laughs) I've asked this question (laughs) with my clients quite a bit. And I, I really see what a different culture it is to date in an online fashion. And I think that's probably, you know, been talked about quite a bit. I'll go back to like the same way that you are deciding to connect with friends. There's a similar way that I think you should go about looking at online dating, which is how much energy are you wanting to give to the experience overall? So how much time a day or how much time a week do you want to put towards that? And I recommend having uh, a limited amount that you really keep track of, that it's not just this kind of endless scrolling for yourself. Um, I have not found that to be anything that's good for somebody's self-worth in any kind of long-term way or really even in kind of short-term way. So you're kind of in and you're out with purpose and intention. I really think it's important too um, to really have like your criteria of what you're looking for in your partner and be kind and clear uh, when that is not a match for you and not unless you're looking for digital pen pals that you don't get yourself into those situations because I think the digital pen paling the hi how are your day that's really just surface level but you have several that you're negotiating it isn't necessarily time well spent and it's very draining for you so get in and out of that and look at your list. I love this exercise. I've called the list that it gets you through. What are your essence-based preferences? What, what are you looking for in somebody? And the time that you're spending online should be looking at those essence-based parts of, of somebody else. And again, kind of cut and run um, in a kind and compassionate way um, and clear way to somebody if they're not meeting that or if you're not able to discern those parts of things. Um, so limiting your time, being purposeful, intentional, and being kind and compassionate to people. One of the the other reasons that people get so burnt out is that because it's virtual, there's not a lot of risk factor in some ways of connecting or ghosting with somebody. And But the ghosting and the quick intimacy or superficial intimacy and then dodging um, really is harmful to a lot of people and creates a lot of burnout in the experience too. You get jaded uh, when that happens. So don't be that person to somebody else. Yeah. So set some healthy Tinder boundaries, you know, (laughs) Yes. as you were talking about this, I was thinking about how, you know, with a lot of dating apps, you're going to get a lot of notifications, you know, like when a match happens or something else, or you get a message from another person and those notifications can be really intrusive. And that can be one of the things that makes it hard to set boundaries is because we feel like, you know, we have to immediately respond right away as soon as this message or match or whatever comes in. And, you know, if you're talking about if you just want to devote certain periods of time to it, like maybe it's turning the notifications off and dealing with it when it works for you. So setting those boundaries, I think, can be really important. But I think it's also really important for all of us to set realistic expectations. Like just because you send a message to somebody else or swipe right on someone, 
that you shouldn't expect an immediate reply from that other person. So many of us just sort of assume that if you interact with another person online, that they should reply right away, drop everything that they're doing, but recognize everybody has a life. It might take a little bit for them to get back to you. That doesn't mean that you're not a person of worth or that they're not interested. There just might be other things going on in their life. So I think giving other people in the world of online dating a little bit of grace and sort of recognizing and trying to put yourself in the perspective and shoes of other people that maybe you're just not always going to get an immediate reply can make that world a little bit less stressful and a little bit less anxiety inducing. Yes. And understanding that those apps are set up to give you that dopamine rush, to give you that, oh yes. And then somehow we translate that to self-worth. When that translation happens, then we do the reverse, which is if I'm not getting this, then they don't like me. I'm not good enough and like screw them or this feels terrible. I'm going to delete everything. And and so again, I, I really believe in clear communication of saying this either somewhere in your profile or early in the communication. I want you to know I'm not always able to respond right away, but that's not going to reflect my interest level. I will be back. And if you're not getting that too, like so we know the difference. I, I do think a lot of times we know the difference of when somebody is not interested in ghosting us and inconsistent by the way they communicate about how they're communicating. So get rid of the ones that aren't communicating in a clear way and in a kind way, but also give grace to other people, like you said, and give them the benefit of the doubt. And if that's hard for you, then there's something else happening that you need to address. Yeah. And, you know, it's also looking at what are the patterns of your engagement with this other person. And, you know, even if they're not messaging you all the time, but they're giving you substantive replies when they can, that's something, you know, that's a positive indicator. And sometimes the people in our lives can't always give us what we want at all times. And that's okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's all about the realistic expectations. Now, for people in romantic relationships, the challenges and difficulties are going to be different depending on the stage of the relationship. So let's talk first about people who are in newer relationships and they want to be together. They want to make this work for the long haul. And maybe it's relatively smooth right now, but they want to set themselves up for success. So what are some resolutions that might be worth considering for people who are in younger or newer relationships who want to really cultivate the skills and communication patterns that are going to help that relationship survive and thrive over time? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's such a great question. And something that gets overlooked quite a bit when you're in that initial getting to know somebody like honeymoon phase, as people term it. I really believe in fostering that friendship that so many people, and again, like the long-term fulfilling relationships that I've seen, they have the spirit of either being each other's best friends, however you want to define that, or at least like the person that you can count on that has your best interests at heart. And that can be overlooked in that, oh, this feels so good to be seen. This feels so good to have this connection happening. But what kind of friends are you being to each other? We can overlook some of the behaviors that we shouldn't be overlooking at that time of yourself and of your partner. So put the time into that friendship. If you were thinking about a platonic relationship and how you'd show up for that relationship, are you doing that for your romantic partner too? 
Also, there needs to be a balance of compromising for the relationship and compromising your soul. Those two things are often, again, like overlooked in the beginning parts of things. So pay attention to those parts too. Of compromising for the relationship has to happen. Compromising of your soul can't. And that can create cracks in the foundation too. And pay attention to what comes with ease, like the fun parts of you, the parts that really make you feel seen and wanted and foster them, uh, validate them if your partner is doing something that is really wonderful and fulfilling and substantive for you. And if they don't guess it or that's not natural to them, take responsibility too of teaching, of inviting that, of asking for this in a clear way instead of hoping that they can mind read. And if they can't mind read, which we can do, not assuming the worst of that, that sometimes we just need a, a manual that comes with us. I actually had this course once called Return to Me, but by the end, we had like this 10-page manual that I we jokingly would say, wouldn't it be nice if we could hand this? Like, this is the me. This is what you need to know about me, how to treat me, how to talk to me, how to challenge me. And we can't really do that. Uh, but I think it would really cut through a lot of, a lot of the issues in it. The other th- part of it too is, don't just call this the honeymoon phase. Uh, I use that terminology because it is um, something that we hear so often, but don't discount the power of the foundational aspects that come from that beginning part of connecting with one another. It doesn't mean that it, it only stays in the very beginning. You can foster that vibrancy and spark throughout it. And don't overlook humor. I think humor is the glue to so much of fulfilling relationships. It is so true. And I love this idea about having a manual for your partner. Like it has me thinking about how when you buy a new car, you have a manual that tells you what your relationship is going to be with your car and what your car needs and how to best take care of it. And it would be great if in some way we were able to do this with our romantic partners, especially early on. It's not to say that you need to give them this formal manual or document, but (laughs) it's communicating what are the things that I need, you know? What are the things that we're going to have to do to maintain this relationship long-term? And I think part of that is normalizing conversations about sex. You know, early on in a relationship, sex is often very easy, you know, and people are having great, natural, easy sex and they're doing it often, but they're often not talking about it. And they don't think they need to talk about it because it just seems to come easy to them. But that's going to make it harder to talk about the issue later on if sexual difficulties or disagreements start to arise. So normalize those conversations about sex early on and communicate your needs intimately, sexually, whatever it is that they are, so that your partner knows, so that you can be able to maintain that relationship in a healthy way going forward. Mm, beautiful point, Justin. It's so true. Um, can I add one more thing onto this too? I think another thing that's really important uh, when I'm working with couples that are new to their relationship is to have a conversation about safety. And yes, safety in and your sexual connection, but also just safety in general. And when I when I say that, often people think that we're just talking about physical safety, and obviously that's the baseline. But I like people kind of like that with the manual concept. I like people to put into three categories. What do you need from a partner? It could be a friend or it can be your romantic partner to feel safe in an experience um, or a conflict or to be emotionally vulnerable to that person. What do you need from your environment in order to feel comfortable enough to be safe emotionally? Uh, And then what do you need to provide for yourself in order to feel safe in that kind of um, interaction with somebody? Know those answers yourself have your partner know those answers and communicate them with each other and have that be like a baseline of how you interact in the fun times and then the harder, more challenging times. 
I love that so much. Now, for people in much longer-term relationships, that's a different ballgame. And many of us, as I mentioned, have a tendency to become very enmeshed in our relationships, very codependent with our partners. And that's one of the things that sometimes prompts infidelity and breakup. We become so codependent that we actually start to become resentful of one another because we've kind of stopped growing as individuals. So for people in longer-term relationships who might be struggling with issues like this, enmeshment and codependence, what are some resolutions they can make to get that sense of independence and autonomy back that's going to make it so that it's a healthy relationship and dynamic again? Uh, Make the commitment to remove the adage that you complete me is a part of what makes a really good relationship. When we expect our partners to complete us, to meet all of our needs, uh, then we are really setting ourselves up in that relationship for um, hardship because it can't happen. It can't happen as, as things we've talked about already, which is we're fluid and we're changing and we interact with life. Things happen and we can't always uh, be our best selves to show up for ourselves or our partner. And we have to have that room in order to provide that for ourselves. And I, we have to have an interdependence instead of the codependence piece of that. And you have responsibility in it, in taking care of yourself, of knowing what your needs are, of providing for it, and having enough resources at your disposal that if you can't provide this for your partner or they can't provide it for you, that you have other options besides that. And that's whether you're in a codependent relationship or if that relationship ends through death or divorce or breakup, that you don't want to be left with this feeling of, I have had a whole part Part of me ripped out. And what I find is when you say this to people like about not being codependent or not thinking that person has to complete you, then you start, people become afraid. Well, that means we're not going to be close, that that is creating this chink in the armor. It doesn't. Uh, being your own whole person is, is actually going to be something that's, that helps your relationship be buoyed. Just like we're talking about with friendships earlier, when you can have other things feeding you and teaching you more about yourself and perspective, that actually strengthens your relationship. I agree. So well put. So we've talked about relationships with friends, with dating partners, with long-term romantic partners, but there's one other relationship that's really important, which is the relationship you have with yourself. Now, you have a whole series called Man Made, where you do conversations with men about what it takes to be a good man and what that journey to becoming a good man looks like. So what have you learned from this project in terms of resolutions that men can make to better themselves and to have that you know, sort of healthy relationship with oneself. Mm, Thank you for knowing that that uh, series exists. It's been a very fulfilling uh, set of conversations that I've had and quite stirring. I I started because the word good man became something that that was really divisive to people. And same with strong woman. And I know I'm just being binary with these genders in that comparison. But I found that those words were important to decipher. So what I found was there were a lot of people who identified as male who were afraid to accept the word good as a part of it. A couple of people said no, they were nominated and then they denied going on the series. And I said, this is not a conversation with the perfect man. This is a good man. So what does it mean to be good? And that led to some really interesting conversations about what's the difference between being a good human, a good person, and a good man? The answers varied, but one of my favorite answers and he sat there it's just like I don't know <laughs> we just had we had a couple minutes of like ah I don't know I know that's the whole point of this conversation but I don't know and then finally it just came to him he said 
trying, just trying to understand to be better, I think is the definition of good. Like having good and good motives, good intent, and having a humbleness that you don't know it all and that there's strength in the not knowing. And Perhaps it was the delivery or it was knowing what that meant based on what his story was. But it was pretty profound to me that it was it's as simple as, I don't know, but I'm trying. And uh, I don't think we give a lot of space for those who identify as male to embody that place. Yeah, I think that's so true. And so many of us, regardless of gender, are just really hard on ourselves and have a really hard time embracing who we are and being our authentic selves. And there's all this pressure to feel like we need to be this other version of ourselves or to, you know, it's, there's so much baggage there yes, societally yes. in terms of how we talk about sex and gender and all these other sorts of things. And we don't really give people the tools or skills in terms of how to navigate this, but cultivating that healthy relationship with yourself is so, so important. And it's really the foundation for all the relationships that you're going to have in your life is that relationship that you have with yourself. And if that's not healthy, it's going to be hard to have healthy relationships with friends, with romantic partners, with others. Because mm-hmm. you're expecting others to make you feel better and you're expecting others to validate you. And that can happen sometimes from some people, but not from everybody. So it has to, that grounding has to be with you. Yeah, beautifully stated, Justin. Yeah. Now we're running short on time, but I wanted to ask whether there's anything that we didn't cover here that you'd like to mention. So are there any other things that people should be thinking about resolving to do or not do in the new year when it comes to cultivating healthy relationships with ourselves, our friends, or our partners? I'm so glad you asked because there is there is something I wanted to say and I couldn't figure out where to put it. So there is a, a woman that, I, that I've worked with who is in the, like, the mindfulness, a meditative world, and her name is Sussie. And she came up with this concept. She wrote a book about it. It's called Bliss Buddies. I was at an event with her, and it, it sounded intriguing, so I started doing it. And the concept is just for 30 days that you pick somebody, and actually preferably somebody you don't know very well, and you commit to every day sending them a text message of something of bliss just a moment that has brought you some kind of happiness. And it can be a picture, it can be a quote, it can be a description of something. And I was at this event and I decided to just kind of go with my gut and just like, I went to somebody that I had not even really spoken to much for that weekend. And I said, would you be my bliss buddy? I felt like I was 12, actually, you know, like, would you be my? <laughs> and, uh, and she said, yes, I was so excited that she said yes. And it has been, we we are going on a year and a half now. So we extended the the. 30 days and went to a year and a half and again, didn't know each other. And she knows more about me than most people in my life. And all we do is small bits to each other every sing- almost every single day. And what I found from it, it was such a gift to myself that I got to understand someone else's bliss. And there are some days that I was like, bliss deprived or bliss challenge. Like I got nothing that I'm happy about. This sucks. This day's horrible, but she wasn't in that place. And, and I could get this little glimmer of it. Um, or sometimes we would encourage each other, like just take a picture of something. And then I started seeing patterns of times of day or patterns in, in my month or, or um, in my work schedule that I had an abundance of bliss and I, I could really see it in times that I wasn't. And I, I honestly can't tell you how profound that experience was. And also 
I couldn't believe I've done it this long. I'm not one of those like 30 day challenge kind of people. It was so beneficial to me and has been so enriching. And so I encourage you to do something like this. Start small. It doesn't have to be anything big. If you can go to the bathroom, you can send a text message that has something to do with bliss. And uh, it doesn't take a lot of time out of your day. And it's super enriching. Yeah. It's making me think I need a bliss buddy because I have a lot of those days too, where it's like, oh my God, is there anything good about this yes. day? Yes. Sometimes it's hard to find. Mm-hmm. And that's okay too. It's okay to have those days. And I can, I think that's why having a, um, a buddy out there in the world who's trying like you are, and that's truthful um, about some days are really hard and some days aren't. Yep. Well, thank you so much for this amazing conversation, Juliana. It was a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your work and your online workshops? Yes. So um, on all social media handles, TikTok, Instagram, uh, Facebook, I'm Dr. Juliana Hauser. And then my website is Dr. Dash Juliana with one N. Uh, if you do Dr. Juliana, she's, I think, a dentist in Romania. Uh, but Dr. Dash Juliana is me. Uh, and that's where a lot of my courses, um, workshops, and learning how to work with me uh, one-on-one also. Well, thank you again for your time. I really appreciate having you here. And thank you to my listeners. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, Sex and Psychology at sexandpsychology.com or subscribe on your favorite platform where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on the social media for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter at Justin Laymiller and Instagram at Justin J. Laymiller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. 